from Good Travel and New Zealand Awaits, we're Josie Major and Debbie Clark. Welcome to Good Awaits, the Regenerative Tourism New Zealand podcast. Under the shadow of the global pandemic and climate crisis, tourism is facing enormous uncertainty and returning to business as usual is no longer an option. Our people and planet are relying on us to reconnect and reimagine. The Good Awaits podcast is a platform for the collective discovery of a new way forward. It's great to have you join us on this journey. Ko Debbie Tokoingoa. I'm Debbie Clark, founder and owner of New Zealand Awaits. Ko Josie Tokoingoa. I'm Josie Major, New Zealand Programs Manager for Good Travel. Kia ora and welcome back to Good Awaits. Today we're very excited to welcome Trent Yo to the podcast. Trent is executive director of ZipTrek Eco Tours in Queenstown and set up his business 11 years ago. ZipTrek is an adventure ecotourism zipline business that utilizes the power of adventure to help create meaningful memories of place. ZipTrek is a longtime communicator about the natural step and is now a future fit pioneer. ZipTrek's business model assists tens of thousands of guests to learn about sustainability, but produces less than two persons annual equivalent in carbon, and then offsets to zero. Trent is also on the board of Tourism Industry Aotearoa and was part of the Tourism Futures Task Force Advisory Group for New Zealand. He is now a retired TEDx Queenstown event organiser and once ventured to Antarctica to work on TEDx Scott Base. Trent is of Perenakan, Malay and Chinese descent. Whilst born in Australia, he is a long-time resident of New Zealand, has Canadian business partners, a UK-born wife and a Kiwi daughter, who fairly often says that he's a legend. Trent is driven by the investment in humans as the driver for change and sustainability. We had such a wonderful conversation with Trent. We had a really fun time interviewing him. He's such an innovative leader and full of energy. So I think this will be a fun one to listen to. And I do agree with his daughter that he is a bit of a legend. He's certainly a powerhouse of ideas. So I think listeners will find much value in this conversation. We hope that you listeners find this episode enlivening and that it sparks conversations for you and your community. We invite you to consciously listen and engage with what resonates with you. Today, we're excited to welcome to the podcast, Trent Yo. Kia ora, Trent. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora. We would like to start the, this episode by asking our guests to share a memorable or early travel experience, just to talk a little bit about transformational power of travel uh, and set the scene. So do you mind sharing a, a travel experience that was memorable for you? I traveled when I was a kid and I traveled to Malaysia where my dad was from and I remember a lot of the smells and noises and almost uh, disorientation of travel. And I remember them fondly because I was surrounded by people who looked after me and could comfort me and it was all fine. But before I remember being a human, I was traveling. So, and one thing I do remember is I remember waking up in an Islamic country and hearing the chanting over the speakers. And, you know, it's usually hot and sweaty and... Um, I totally remember waking up sort of half awake, you know, it's the afternoon, you have an afternoon nap, you know, cause that's what they do over there sometimes. Um, and then, uh, I just heard this huge, like r- 
unfamiliar sound or like kind of eerie sound because we don't grow with it, grow up with that sort of stuff. So for me, travel was a, luckily for me something that I grew up with. The feeling of not fitting in and the feeling of speaking a second tongue or not understanding really what's happening is, is I think is part of the disorientation to orient ourselves in our own lives. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, a disorientation to reorient ourselves to our own lives. So how did you end up in the travel industry? I think that I was, as I said, you know, I traveled a lot when I was a kid and Asia, all around Southeast Asia mainly was it. I've always enjoyed the idea of travel and I suppose I just started to continue to explore that. In terms of me, the long story short is kind of architecture, outdoor activity, guiding, exploration and luck to make me meet some people who are building a business that I thought had significant meaning, not only in the fun, the fun scale, but also um, the meaning scale. And I think both of those things came together with what I'm doing now, which is at Ziptrek Eco Tours. That's the super short version. We'd love you to talk a little bit about Ziptrek Eco Tours and, and the work that you do there. And also in particular about, we know that you have sustainability principles built into the very heart of your of your business and your operations there. So I uh, would love you to talk a little bit to that and what that means. Yeah, and I think this is a, a quite a significant difference between many businesses that are undergoing maybe a, a transformation or change in their way in which they work is that Ziptrek was always built with that in mind. And when I sort of look back at architecture days, it's kind of like building and designing a passive house versus retrofitting your own home which has not been built with any of those methodologies or theories in the background. So when you redesign something, it is probably inherently harder. It's probably not natural and it probably takes a little bit more work. That's why I believe strongly that we should be building new tourism models that are of the sustainability regeneration ilk, as well as retrofitting as much as possible. I think both are important because if we don't see us putting down good roots when we put them down and then also transforming those already in market, then I think that we won't actually get uh, to critical mass in the mass change we need in tourism. So Ziptrek was designed to get people excited about sustainability. Really simple. When we sort of base psychological theory is memory is embedded in emotion. So when we have our heightened experience of, of fun or, or even terror, actually, all of these things really lock in a memory. We have a chance in tourism, whilst people are free and easy, whilst they are out of their skin, out of territory, um, have the ability to show them a spectacular and fun and engaging time. And therefore, within that, create a moment of meaning and one attached to what I believe is something more wholesome than just the fun itself, but um, the structure of it. Now, once again, this is the background stuff. This is not what we say on tour, but the whole idea is that we are learning um, about how a natural system works, how Ziptrek works in that natural system, and then how you can impart that upon your own life. We have a sustainability framework, which we teach called the natural step, um, which is, I don't know, 20 something, maybe 30 years, 20 something years old, I'd say. And that's our framework, our story framework, almost like the three little pigs has a framework. 
And then the whole background of what we do in our business, whether that's remote area power supply, lip construction in living trees, construction in uh, locally sourced, local uh, durable timbers, access by hand, access by gondola, which was already running without you, et cetera, et cetera, community work, et cetera, et cetera, replanting, et cetera, et cetera, pest control, et cetera. We, we're doing every extent of it from an energy perspective operationally, an embodied energy perspective in terms of the actual total impact, storytelling and education methodology, and I suppose all of our relationships that we have with suppliers, our council, our our community, or every interaction with them, they kind of think, well, that's kind of got going to have the sustainability thing on it because it just does. It's it's zip trek. So everything that we do is an exemplary of the sustainable ecosystem, and the business model was derived from that idea. The execution monetization business model is tourism. It just happens to be tourism in a way. I think that's so inspiring as, as a way, as an example of how we can flip that on its head and make it about sustainability first and the business model is the, is the outcome from that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different way of approaching a problem. Um, and our, our, our intent wasn't to create tourism. Our intent was to create meaningful experiences in the outdoors and anchor structural stories around our place through that. I believe that stro- strongly that the challenge we have around sustainability generally, and let that be regeneration also, is not actually a technological problem. It is, is, it's possibly an economics problem, um, but basically economics is a made-up thing that humans produce and that uh, it's, it's a human behaviour challenge, right? And everyone talks about behaviour change and I think that behaviour change has to happen on all extents of, of, of every touch point of a human's interactions. But I think that in tourism we have a unique example of something which is highly memorable. So it's kind of the perfect place to impart sort of um, some influence on getting people inspired about what, a re- what is a really important thing. And, and the other thing about it from an outdoor education perspective, because I also studied outdoor education, is that we need to take people into the outdoors safely um, and positively so that they can build a relationship with um, the places that they live in. Because there's no hope of us teaching the science of air quality or water quality or, or overfishing or where wood comes from, when they don't have a relationship. There's this concept called um, nature is a friend. And the idea that we are introducing our clients, our guests, our Manahuri to the place that we live in so that they feel more comfortable in it is vitally important because without that, we have what is sometimes called nature deficit disorder. Like the idea that we're so disconnected from where our water goes and where milk is from that we can't have any empathy, less a care for it because we have no relationship with it. So once again, there's a whole lot of things wrapped up in that. But all of the deep theory of what we do, once again, may or may not play out in the actuality of the product, but that's kind of what drives, I think, the basis of what we do as a business. And it's quite different from most people. Yeah, I think that does make you very distinctive, Trent. And that's what we need more of, right, in terms of products, I mean, experiences that connect people with nature as we move forward. Let's talk about the pandemic and the impact that had on your business. 
I, rem- I remember when I heard from my business partners, they were shutting their business down. And I was thinking, I'm talking to them in Canada. And I said, that seems pretty extreme, hey, like to let all your staff go. And, uh, and I found out more, more detail about what was happening. And then a week later, New Zealand was in the same situation or facing the same situation. And we reacted faster, like way faster than anyone else. In terms of the business, we probably were a quarter of the business we were before with about less than half of the team that we had before. But the leadership time is mostly the same. Um, we've maintained um, most of those. Some people have actually chosen to depart. And our guides, um, our frontline staff, you know, they were transitionary anyway, probably. So we lost a lot of them. We came, brought some back. We're going to see some go away and come back again anyway. I think that we've really, like, I think we've done a really good job at looking after that crew. I found out when when we were going to shut down and go into lockdown, uh, we called a meeting for the next day. I said to, there's two options. One is you roll, you you hold out with us and we'll support everyone as many as much as we can. But I want to ask you two questions. I need to know that you've got solid social uh, support here. I'm not saying a couple of friends, but like solid social support. And I need you to know that we don't know what the economic situation is like. So you need to have savings. Like you need to have probably quite a lot of savings. And for those who need to fly somebody where to get into a place of refuge, you possibly should just jump on the next plane. So my deal is you either stay and stick it out with us or you go now and we'll work out all of the accounts later. I think you should get on a plane. And so what happened is everyone that could go and needed to go got on a plane and actually thanked us in hindsight. They called from all around the world and thanked us for letting them go straight away with no strings. Let's just work this out later. And then what we've done is a whole series of things within our business to restructure, to redesign the way in which we're doing the business, to make business improvements. We literally ripped out the back end while the bus was stopped. We turned it back on again six weeks later. Uh, We've continued to make changes. I'm not saying we've made a big dent on like creating business, but what we've done is we've created, created agility within the team. So I think that we're probably closer, tighter and more capable than we've ever been. Having said that, like any move that we have made, whether that's sort of the move around New Zealand Music Month or online systems or augmented reality, all the other things that we have done this year, which is quite a lot of things given the situation, is kind of not really touched the side of the economics because the macro effect of people coming in and let's say 95 to 90% of our guests are international um, has disappeared and we've raised the domestic um, quite significantly, but not enough to get even close to what was 100% of our business before. New Zealand, uh, sorry, Queenstown Lakes is disproportionately international also. And so one of the criticisms was, oh, you shouldn't have been. But you know what? Like it was always here. So that's silly like to say that you shouldn't have been. You should have been looking more at domestic when in fact everything coming down at you was international plus a bit. With all of that, uh, I think we're stronger in the pain that we've been through. We've been lucky to be supported by wage subsidy and we actually got STAP and other things. Um, We've been extremely prudent and focused on looking after people. And that's what I would say is we've switched towards a bigger focus towards people uh, in the sustainability spectrums for the last year. And then I think that we kind of in a good position to move out of this, even though that it's a long road out of this. It's a very quick summary of a long year. You've done an amazing job of, of navigating these challenges. I, I wanted 
go back to something that you said about building agility within your team. And I think there's a lot of conversations about this at the moment, about building agility as well as resilience um, for businesses. And within these new, this sort of new world that we find ourselves in post-COVID, what do you think that these fundamental changes mean or about how businesses should be adapting or um, or if you could touch on some of the examples from what Ziptrek has done uh, in terms of adapting this year specifically. I think, you know, I classically come back to Charles Darwin. It's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the most adaptable. And in now what is known as the VUCA world, the volatile, uncertain, complex, whatever the A is, which is extremely important. Anyway, um, <laughs> all I'm saying is you guys understand it. The Everything, everything is changing in the world um, at a greater, like things are changing at a greater rate that's affecting people more and more. And so it's not about those that are well-equipped. It's about those who can re-equip. And so the things that we did were, you know, so as an example, the bus shut down. So we rebuilt, we, we changed our booking system within a week we changed out a booking system we were going to do a change anyway so we just did it we we moved to online waivers which we were meaning to do so we did it anyway um, we escalated some of our um we already had a chat bot which reduces labor and increases quality of service so we've increased the work that we do on that um, we did a lot of web stuff we did all the back end stuff the really boring stuff that no one likes to talk about or, or hear people like to hear new product especially in tourism the main thing that we did literally as we opened uh, in may was we attached to new zealand music month which was happening anyway i've always wanted to do more musicians we have done a little bit before in the trees so we got local musicians to play in the trees for new zealand music month on the not the day we opened but not far away like a week after we opened uh, so that meant washing 100 harnesses as best practice. We washed 100 harnesses. Every time we did 100 people, we had to rewash them, which was terrible for a business. Um, but we did it anyway. And and you, you could argue, well, there was it didn't add any specific value or that cost a lot of money and it would have cost you more to run and to not run and all that sort of stuff, except for the fact that our guys had been sitting on their hands in a way for ages. We had musicians who were out of work and hadn't been paid for weeks. And we had an opportunity to effectively have a crisis and throw a party. Because I think that's actually important too, to actually protect morale around these moments. So we did that anyway. And it was a roaring success by, by some measures. And it's what I would say. And those some measures are, it got us excited. It got us focused. It got us more media than we've ever had nationally before. Obviously, I shook the hands of very happy musicians and everyone said they'd be involved again. It sold out within 48 hours and et cetera, et cetera. So that was all great. Interestingly on that, we thought, great idea, repeat the idea. We actually unsuccessfully did it in December of the same year of 2020. We tried to roll it again. We put the price up so we actually would make some money because that's the point of being in business. Um, uh, that wasn't the only thing that we got wrong, but, but it didn't work and, and we didn't operate it. So as much as the successes that you have and can applaud and be happy for yourself, you also have to take when you fail well and go, okay, we learned that that doesn't work. I'm not sure what the secret recipe is, but it didn't work. So once again, we did that. So then there's so many other things we did. But briefly, the last thing we've done recently is to launch a product that we had already worked on before, which is part of our Kereru tour. And it was what's called Kereru Interactive, which is an augmented reality, the first in the world 
overlay of adventure tourism we call it augmented reality and once again i love the tech it's really interesting for me that's great except for the fact is it's not about the tech it's about how these things add value to someone's life and no one in the world has tried outdoor adventure tourism as a test case you don't do that it's too hard you try it in an office with a, a proven business market in a commercial product with a whole lot of other things. And, and I, that's not me. That's not what we do, but it's also not where they have the most effect in my opinion. So the concept briefly is ZipTrek is a guided tour. We love our guides. Our guides are kind of like Frodo Baggins. I love Frodo Baggins. He's a nice guy. I trust him. He knows this terrain. I, he looks after me, right? But there's nothing like when Gandalf walks in the room, throws down some magic and the dragon flies overhead. So my view is in order to be extraordinary, different, interesting, and be testing the ways in which technology overlays on top of our lives and adds value to our lives to actually add an animated kereru voiced by local children's author, Craig Smith, uh, and then um, test this in environment to see what impact we can have on the memorability of our experiences. Once again, we have to continue to improve and accelerate the value that we offer every day in tourism. And I feel like that's one gap that we sometimes take for granted. We actually in New Zealand do a very good job in terms of tourism development, et cetera. But I think that we cannot take the foot off the pedal there. We have to create more value every day. Otherwise the justification for doing our business acts are not there. Yeah, so you're innovating, you're testing, you're trying out new ideas all the time. So you're trying to find ways to stay relevant and to add value to your experiences. And what I would say about the environmental market right now is that there's more empathy and acceptance of failure now than there's ever been before because of the complex situation we're in. So it's actually never been a better time to fail because your recovery will be quick swift uh, and probably supported. Um, in a normal business world, when everything's high and somebody fails to achieve something, either everyone not, not doesn't notice or everyone does notice, which is even worse. Um, and so I think that uh, the, 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 the market's propensity to accept failure and testing right now is greater now than it's ever been before. It's perfect because the the A in VUCA is ambiguity or ambiguous, which I think is perfect for that. It's, a, it's in a very un, unclear world and unclear what's going to be successful or, or not or which experiments are going to turn out. So I left yeah. that one for you, Josie, to pick up. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very, you very much. much. For... Set me up there. <laughs> nice. I love it. So we're talking about, while well, we're talking about trying out new things, there'll certainly be many who'll be taking advantage of the trans-Tasman bubble that we have now and wanting to return to business as usual, jumping right back in after a really tough year. Uh, but there's also opportunities, I think, at the same time to look at how we can do things differently, to test new ideas. And that really leads us into, it leads us well, I think, into regenerative tourism and you had touched upon sustainable versus regenerative, and we're keen for you to speak more to that, Trent. We'd like to hear your thoughts on what regenerative tourism means to you. Yeah, I think the, um, the opportunistic pause right now is vitally important. We, were kind of, we kind of had our mouth on a fire hose before in New Zealand, and to do anything different was a bit crazy uh, than just to deal with a fire hose. And I think that we have that chance now. 
I think that we were in a trajectory previously with the tourism sustainability commitment, um, a whole lot of discussion, obviously, around the climate change and then the Climate Change Commission report. We've got the Parliamentary uh, Commission for Environment report. There's so much stuff that's working in this direction. And that, and so we have this opportunity where we were moving in a certain direction, we got paused, and now what's our first or second or third step into that? And the, in in the middle of that, we had the Tourism Futures Task Force, which was significant, huge in terms of its diversity in the group that it was with, not only public-private, but um, small, large, medium, and people very much outside tourism central, but tourism ecosystem. And it was such a, uh, a really important conversation, which was never quite finished. So in terms of sustainability, it's something that I've been talking about for a long time. And in architecture, I just, I was practicing sustainable sustainability-focused architecture. The fact is that sustainability is something, if I describe my relationship with my wife and described it as sustainable, it wouldn't be seen as very good. Okay. That's not an aspirational view. Now, and the thing about sustainability or regeneration is they're not an end goal, they're a process. So as much as we're doing lots of things at ZipTrek, we're not at all close to perfection. There's no such thing. And we will continuously have to do more um, in order to stay ahead of the market and or even to be there. So people shouldn't get too worried about sustainability or regeneration. I, I kind of say people don't worry about the definition of peace too much because everyone wants peace. So why do we get all worried about regeneration or sustainability? I kind of think everyone on the new game wants to call it regeneration because it sounds like a deeper end of the spectrum. Fine, totally agree with them. The fact is, is they need to personally work towards uh, sustainability before you can actually get to regeneration. And this is why we're actually involved in FutureFit which has two elements. One is um, break-even goals. As you can't, as much as you have a worm farm and a bee colony, if you're fundamentally producing too much carbon, then you, you're not even close to regeneration, right? Like break-even goals is getting to zero, let's say sustainability, and the, and the positive pursuits are all about that regeneration, this big future that we don't even know what it looks like. And so I just, once again, I hesitate to get too much into it, even though I just did, um, the definitions of this stuff, because it's not specifically important. What's important is we do less harm, in fact, none, and we do more good, lots of it. You make a really good point there about the fact that different businesses are at different points along the spectrum and that it's it's big work, right? Like it's a huge thing, especially if you're just getting started on this journey. And so... For people just to be starting, that's that's good too, and we should be acknowledging that. I think that's quite right. I think it's really important to understand where everyone is and to help them move up through what's called it a spectrum. Okay, the thing about it is, is the time for dealing, the time for, in my opinion, the time for dealing with things like climate change and carbon, is yesterday. So I kind of I I sort of want to be. Comp- simultaneously empathetic and assisting and encouraging and endearing to all the people who are not. But the fact is it's too late to stuff around anymore. Like the time, like, and so certain things, and I would say climate change is just a non-negotiable now. And the world expects you 
whether your whether your industry does, but the world expects you to do better than that. And so I agree, but I would also say there's certain things that are damn important and actually direct. Even if somebody's just measuring the carbon and not doing anything about it, I think that's vitally important because we need to know where it's coming from and how it's interacting in the system. So I definitely think that we need to analyze from a tourism perspective um, what it takes to go from step one to step two, step two to step three, and step three to step four. And we need to articulate a strategy for each area um, about how we're going to move them up through the system. It's extremely fast and not from a top-down approach, but from a one-to-many approach where we create wikis or shared resources around how we are meant to move up and have mentors all through the system that can support people at different stages of it. So it requires a deep and broad strategy with specific goals um, rather than just people doing good stuff. Because even when I look back at my historic stuff, I'm like, Trent, we weren't even touching the sides. Like, why did we not do that earlier? We, we should have known better. And I think everyone will go through that at different times. But the fact is there's certain things that just need to be like, there's an expectation that industry best is not necessarily good enough. Yeah, absolutely. So are you putting your hand up, Trent, to lead that coalition of the willing? Well, I'm in so many groups already. And and this is what I would say is that there's so many groups. And one thing about New Zealand, and I love New Zealand because I've been here for 15 years and I'm hopefully soon to be a citizen of New Zealand, is is that one of the challenges is everyone wants to start a club and be the captain of the club. I don't want to start a club and be the captain of the club. I want to help to facilitate and coordinate many people doing moving the same direction to move together faster in that direction. So whether it's the Tourism Futures Task Force, which is going to reform into something and move forward anyway, the Roadmap Group as part of TIA, which was also being formed and running a sprint sprint project now and maybe in the near future to move forward, whether there's another group of marketing and PR people that are trying to tell messages around what we're doing better. And there's a we're doing this domestic program. That we're, there's, there's a whole lot of groups doing lots of stuff. We need to respond to the parliamentary commission commissioner. We need to respond to the climate change. We need to talk about financial reporting um, of, of climate uh, climate responsibilities. We need to do all of these different things. We need to move directly towards predator free 2050. Um, so we, we, the thing is, I think we need coordination right now. I think for the first time in ages, we've got the energy within the system. But without a coordinated approach of the energy within the system, I believe that we'll all kind of be wasting each other's time a little bit and also possibly going for the same amount of money and also looking from a tourism perspective as if we don't know what we're really doing. We need a master plan on it all. And that's what I'd like to see come together. Thanks for that, Trent. Yeah, Josie and I have talked a lot about how much of a groundswell of energy we're seeing right now, you know, at this moment. Um, We're seeing it, of course, in the online course, the regenerative tourism online course we've done uh, with Anna Pollock and Michelle Holliday. We're seeing it across so many different sectors as well, in the agricultural sector. Uh, And I agree that you're right, there is momentum now. And so it's harnessing that momentum to keep it going, right? Can you talk a little bit to us... um, 
you know, you mentioned the Tourism Task Force. You said that's going to continue in some capacity. Is that something you can speak to for us? Um, I'm not sure if it's public yet or what the situation is, but I think that it's fine to say that the people of the Tourism Task Force were very keen to continue what they didn't quite complete. And I also use the word complete with some care because that job is never done. Um, so I think that there's um, a group of people hoping to get together to try to do that. I'm not sure how it connects to the roadmap group um, uh, the TIA is directly a part of or therefore then how that relates to the back to life crew of which there's maybe, I don't know, 60 is there people in that, Debbie? Yeah, it's 120 participants that signed up across seven different regions. There were seven regional tourism organizations involved. And then there's step funding for all of these other projects that's happening also. And then there's all the other stuff like predator-free and, you know, what ag's doing and dairy and, and, and meat and lamb. And everyone's doing stuff. But for me, it's like, how do we fit in amongst the general, how do we make it a movement? How do we collect the waves and make this just constantly flowing in the right direction, basically? And that's, for me, what's not clear. I would love to see something which is not only internally correct, as in for tourism travel, what I call tourism travel transients, which is another theory I have, but also outside our vertical, um, the innovation vertical, the technology vertical, you know, general exports of general types, IP development and um, that we export as, I don't know, can we do software as a service type delivery of tourism? Um, and then how do we add value to honey? Okay. So like all of that stuff, I'd like to, not that we have a plan around that, but that we open and porous to other people's plans because if the dairy sector, for example, wants to create, um, tell their stories better, then there's no better way than using tourism to tell those good stories as an example. It's kind of the marketing department for everything that we export. And I, and I think that's hugely important um, as we move forward. The influence of tourism or a primary experience of place, there's nothing that can beat that. I agree. And thinking about tourism for that purpose versus a tourism product, right? Because we we speak in the language of a tourism product, and yet it's everything you were just talking about, Trent. It's what we're producing, how we're farming. What are our stories of our places? Yeah, and I was just in an interview with somebody who exports honey to Japan. That's the thing. And Brand New Zealand was very much part of her proposition for her honey, Right. And so, A, we need to watch we seriously don't taint that. For example, glyphosate in the system. And, and secondarily, we need to also work out how do we really truly work together. I'm not saying that everything has to be a selling message, not at all. But what I'm saying is that there's many opportunities for us to excel in what we were doing of how to help monetize, um, create a business model around assets that are inherently unbelievable, that we don't have any idea how much other people crave that and, and sell that as a new experience, which has a high value and other aspects to it. And it speaks to collaboration too. Often in tourism, we're in our own silos, aren't we? So collaborating across different sectors and finding ways to work across industries is important. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have one person who was just a TIA who just looked externally at other people's reports and worked out how do we make them happen. So, for example, I don't know, the honey industry or uh, the technology industry or whatever says, we've got a plan. Here's the six-point plan. We need to do this, this, and this. And we go, oh, we can do that. Tourism can do that for you. And we co-fund development on someone else's plan. We don't actually produce anything new. Everyone wants to produce something new all the time. It's like the tourism task force, great. Let's come up with a new document. That's great, except we don't necessarily have to. We probably should be more aware of what's happening, the good work around us, what's happening in export, what's happened at, happening at Asian New Zealand Foundation, what's happening at Edmund Hillary Fellowship, what, what's happening with the software as service crew, because that's, that's a big one, right? Um, and, and how do we lever up on the things that we can produce? Because really, when I talk, describe tourism, I actually don't just say tourism. I feel like that's underselling it. Um, and actually, possibly, we're under-delivering it. But I would say it's, my view is it's actually about the experience economy. And the experience economy from a deep theory perspective is not just about experiences. That's great. Yes, it's about that. But it's actually about how do we move forward through the value? How do we improve value? Do you think New Zealand's in a unique position to do this type of work? Like obviously New Zealand's in a pretty good state right now compared to the rest of the world, but also we're small and we have some of these connections and and built just by by the nature of our place. And also people do look to New Zealand as an example of 100% pure or, or whatever, it, however much that's true. Do you think New Zealand is, is uniquely positioned to sort of become a world leader in this type of, this vision of tourism that you're talking about? Yes. So New Zealand is characteristically a pure place, a revered place, etc. It also has low population, arable soil. It's in the right uh, longitude, latitudinal zone. Da, 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 da. Uh, it is a new place that produces lots of food. But my belief is that we have so much natural asset that we're very, we've got not enough discipline to execute. And in a new world, it's discipline that's going to move us through. It's rigor that's going to move us to the next stage. Is New Zealand u- unique? Absolutely, yes. But so is Singapore and Switzerland and Canada and Ireland and Iceland and wherever else you want to talk about. They're all unique. We have a unique position from our natural, natural assets. I would like us to move to design rather than default in terms of the way in which we see our future, not only in tourism, but just generally as a country. So if... And this analogy almost always works because it's New Zealand is if New Zealand was sitting on the bench and I was a coach, I'd be saying, you've got lots of talent and, and you don't have enough discipline. You need to do the training. You need to do the work. You need to focus on your natural assets, but you also need to work on what you need to work on and you could be the best in the world. So within that, we have a very educated and evolved tourism industry. So therefore, it's easier than a, you know, a, one without structures. So it's easier than some places. So the example of Iceland is very important. The example of Bhutan is very important. The example of Costa Rica is important. All of these places are important because they all are unique in the way in which they've combined their natural assets and what they've done with them. And I believe that New Zealand 
as the first place to have dealt with or almost dealing with COVID, I think that we have a natural advantage and opportunity there um, that may set us in good stead or, as Debbie was alluding to earlier, maybe puts us on the back foot because we've got it too easy. And so this is my concern significantly is that New Zealand's currently potentially missing an opportunity, not only in tourism, but generally in assessing what our current situation is and evolving forward quickly in a high pressure environment such as COVID, because COVID is the first wave of many, including climate change, that is just about to hit our shores and the, and the global shores in the VUCA world. So I, I think that New Zealand is in a unique position. I think it has every opportunity, but it's about people working together to move forward. That's a very broad answer. And so what would that vision look like, Trent, if people moved together, if, pe- if we were disciplined and if we designed from within? What is your vision of what? It would be a multidisciplinary team on designing the future of New Zealand for 50 and 100 years ahead of us. I'd like to see a 50 and 100 year plan like China and Singapore does. Um, and people say it's silly. I'd like to see us have, you know, in the States, in the national parks, they have like a seven generations thing is how does the children, the, ch- the children of my children, 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 or whatever it is, how do they judge my decision today? And we have to think about how we're working together on everything, whether that's internally inside our nation's borders, because nation's borders are becoming more porous anyway. Anyway, how we're working with our neighbours in Southeast Asia and Asia uh, and Australia um, and how we're working globally. So I'd love to create a group that has a futures focus, um, a multidisciplinary focus and an outside and inside view. They're all like kind of super macro, but that's what, I, that's what we need. We definitely need a chief technology officer for New Zealand, which was a failed attempt a year and a half, two years ago which I think is vitally important also. And yeah, I, I just think that we, that's hard to know what the specific answer to is, but we, we need to have people who are definitely multi, multi-talented, multi-skilled and multi-connected to be able to come together and find commonality in a designed future, which includes our region. Okay, listeners, so now we come to the harvest part of our episode and there's certainly a lot to process from everything that Trent has has shared during this conversation. Zipcheck EcoTours is really an inspiring model of a business that was designed with sustainability at the forefront of every aspect. And I think that's what this episode really is about, is about this idea of designing tourism for change at multiple levels, at the level of the visitor experience, at the level of the business, and then even higher than that, right? Like about the, how do we design tourism to connect across industries, to to connect internationally in order to create change and add value. Mm. And I think at the the visitor experience level for ZipTrek, they they have this amazing process rooted in brain science, really. This idea that learning and memory is embedded in heightened emotion. So he talks about the sort of responsibility that we have in tourism to use that heightened emotion while people are traveling and in this kind of different headspace in order to lock in memory and and meaning. 
Mm-hmm. He talks about it as an opportunity that we have in tourism, right? That when people's emotions are in this heightened state, that then we can really, there can be a lot of learning that can happen in that moment. And it's an opportunity for us to help people build relationships. In his case, he talks about with nature for a zip track um, eco tours, but he also, you know, referenced where people's, where our food comes from, because a lot of people don't have any relationship with that, with the land, right. With farming or cropping or growing. Um, and that it was interesting to me, you know, that he talked about the nature deficit disorder of people are disconnected from nature. If they don't have any empathy or care for it. Then how can we expect them to take care of it? And that's so important now is to help build those relationships with nature and with where our food system, what our food systems are. So he's very conscious in that, which I think is, it's a great model. He talked as well, right, Josie, at the business level, not just the visitor experience level, because ZipTrack Eco Tours is a business that was designed with sustainability at the forefront, right, right from the beginning. And so in everything they do, sustainability was their driving purpose. Um, so the whole business had this underlying purpose of of making sure that they were sustainable and creating meaningful experiences for their visitors. So I thought it was interesting when he talked about starting a new business and designing with sustainability or regeneration at the forefront versus retrofitting. Um, and he'd made a he'd made a comment that we need to do that. We need to take this opportunity to design more businesses with sustainability or or that are regenerative from the get go, in addition to retrofitting businesses that are already in market. Otherwise, we're not going to get to this critical mass that we need for this, this shift for our future. And then he, then he talked about sort of at a national level, what tourism could be, how we could design the whole industry at a national level, right? Yeah. So this, this is coming through in many of the conversations that we're having as well is this need for coordination beyond tourism as well. So yes, at a national level within the tourism industry and across businesses, but also across sectors, and think about how tourism is adding value at a visitor experience level. So how are we adding value to our visitors, adding meaning to to their lives? Mm-hmm. How are we adding value at a community level, which we've talked about a lot, right. right? Thinking about what does my community need? How can I how can tourism serve that vision? And then also thinking about how it adds value at a national level beyond tourism. Uh, Trent talked about tourism as the marketing department of everything good about New Zealand, right? So how are we adding value yeah, to that? I love, I love that. Yeah, that's great, right? Thinking about it that way, what, what great purpose that is for tourism to think about, about ourselves that way, those of us in tourism, yeah. So what's our offering um, for our listeners, do you think, Josie? We're really talking design, designing tourism, aren't we, at multiple levels? So I think perhaps it's a question for listeners to reflect on, which is uh, in what ways are you designing your experiences, your businesses, or even at a higher level, how are you helping to design the larger system in such a way that it can create positive change? Or perhaps another way of putting that is how are you designing or creating the fertile conditions for life to thrive? Yep. That's it. So we want to thank Trent very much for his time. It was a fantastic conversation with so much uh, to think about and to digest. And we want to thank our listeners as well for your time in this episode. And if this has resonated with you listeners or you feel called to get involved, please send us your takeaways or your inspirations, what you feel called to do as a result of this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. 
You can get in touch with us via our website. You can leave comments there on goodawaits.podbean.com or on our Instagram and Facebook at goodawaits. Our episodes of Good Awaits are out every Wednesday morning, New Zealand time. You can find us on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you do want to be notified every time a new episode comes out, you can subscribe on your podcast app. And if you would like to leave us a review, we would really love to receive your feedback. Thanks also to the Good Awaits team for your support, to Erin Carnes for your graphics design, Clary Macklin for your wonderful music and production. And Josie, I want to thank you as well for your ongoing hours of editing. This is, we're still having fun, so that's a good thing. And thanks also to you, Debbie. It's been, it's continuing to be a lot of fun working with you and and, uh, thank you for everything that you bring to this podcast. So thanks again, listeners, for listening to Good Awaits. It's great to have you join us as we harvest the stories of our regenerative tourism journey in New Zealand. 